take your copy of God's Word this morning, please, and be turning to Jonah, the book of Jonah. So if you can find the New Testament and turn back in the Old Testament, seven or eight books, you'll arrive at the little book of Jonah. We've been spending some time with Jonah over the last little while. And when you go through the book of Jonah, you notice there are four chapters in the book. And when you read through the book of Jonah and you get to that fourth chapter, it kind of causes you to maybe scratch your head a little bit. In chapter 3 of the book of Jonah, you read about one of the greatest revivals that's ever taken place. And then you go into chapter 4, and we read about the fact that the revival preacher, rather than rejoicing, rather than praising God, rather than shouting hallelujah, praise the Lord, we find this revival preacher is angry. He is mad. In fact, the revival preacher Jonah is so angry, he literally wants to die. Now, how can this be? How can Jonah, who saw this wonderful, marvelous revival take place, how can he be to the point where he's so angry he wants to die? Well, to be quite blunt with you, beloved, the reason was because he didn't get his way. If you wanted to title chapter 4, you might call it The Pouting Prophet. That's exactly what Jonah's doing in Jonah chapter 4. He's pouting. Things didn't turn out the way he wanted. He gets mad. He pouts. He becomes filled with resentment. And to top it all off, he's angry toward God. Now, he hated the Ninevites. Let's be honest about it. But he's angry at God. Don't answer out loud, but you ever been there? You ever been angry at God? Perhaps some are there right now. Be honest. Have you ever been upset with God, mad at him, questioning God? God, how could you let this happen? How could you let this happen? Or God, how could you allow this to happen in my life? Why didn't you prevent something happening in your life? You know, in all honesty, we could have expected the book of Jonah to end with chapter three. In chapter 3, there's rejoicing, if you will, because why? These people turn from their evil ways to God. There's a great revival. Uh, God does not destroy Nineveh. And we could say, praise the Lord, what a wonderful display of God's grace. And it was. And it is. But then we read, we turn to page and read chapter 4, where the Bible says in verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, listen, the book of Jonah is a wonderful display of God's grace to the Ninevites. He warned these people. They repented. God relented, did not destroy them. But here's a great other truth. The book of Jonah is also a great display of God's grace toward his servant, Jonah. You see, God was not going to allow Jonah to remain as he was. Now, last time that God dealt with Jonah, he had to put him in the whale motel. 
And he had to stay in the well motel for some time to figure out and and come to his senses. And he's praying there in chapter two from the well motel, from the depths of the ocean inside of this sea creature. And God delivers him. And then he goes in and preaches this message of judgment to the Ninevites. But this time, God's going to have to use some other measures to get Jonah's attention. And we'll find in chapter four, he's going to use a plant. He's going to use a worm. A literal worm of some sort. He's going to use a hot east wind. And he's going to use some questions for Jonah from God himself. And he's going to use those things to work in Jonah's life. But we're getting ahead of ourselves in the story. We'll look at that in the coming weeks. Today I just want to focus on the first two verses. And I want to see where Jonah is at the moment. Look again at verse number one. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. He was displeased. Displeased there literally means to see as evil. In other words, Jonah looked at what God did or didn't do to the Ninevites in in sparing them, and he saw that as evil. And the word angry there, the word for anger means to burn. Jonah was burning with anger. He's not a little annoyed. He's not a little frustrated. He was mad. He was angry. He was burning red hot. Well, angry over what, preacher? Well, look back at the last verse of chapter 3. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. In other words, the people repented. And God relented. He did not judge them in in this harsh judgment and destroying them. And Jonah becomes angry. So what's he angry about? He's angry over the salvation of the Ninevites. He hated them. They were the enemies of Israel. His message in chapter 3, verse 4 was this. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's the message God had given him. And you know what? That's the message that Jonah wanted to come true. He wanted them dead. I'm just being honest with you. Jonah wanted them destroyed. He wanted them dead. He did not want them saved. And so he's there and he's angry. He's filled with resentment. He's displeased. He thinks God's made a mistake here. And so what does he do? Well, he prays in chapter four, verse two. Let's look at his prayer. Chapter four, verse two. So he prayed to the Lord and said, "Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. So we understand we're let in on chapter four of why he fled in the first place. Remember, the word of the Lord came to Jonah back in chapter one and said, go to Nineveh and preach against it. But Jonah says, I'm not going to Nineveh. And he goes down and catches the ship to Tarshish. And there's that great storm and they throw him overboard and that great fish swallows him, then spits him back up later on. And he goes in and preaches. Now we know why he did not want to go there. Why? Look at verse number two. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now, he knew that God was a merciful, gracious God, and he did not want the Ninevites to experience God's mercy. 
We could say it this way. Listen, it is possible to have right beliefs and wrong behavior. It is possible to have right beliefs to say certain things and hold a certain set of doctrine and yet have wrong behavior. What Jonah says about God is right on. He's correct. Listen to what he says. says, God, you're a God that's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. You relent from doing harm. He may have been thinking of Exodus 34. In Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Here is Jonah... And he's a man that knows God. He's a man that knows God's word. He had experienced the grace of God himself. I mean, God delivered him in an awesome way in placing him there in that fish and then having the fish deposit him on land later on. He knew God's grace. And yet he's angry because God had extended his grace to someone that Jonah did not like. You see, his heart is filled with prejudice. In other words, it's okay to save me, God, but don't save them. It's okay to show your mercy to me, but don't show your mercy to them. Listen, is there anyone, Christian, is there anyone that you would hate to see them come to Jesus? Is there anyone in your mind, in your heart, that you would hate to see them come and find God's mercy, grace and love? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, oh God, save my family. Save my friends. Save my race. But don't save uh, the Muslims. Don't reach them with Jesus. Uh, don't save the blacks. Don't save the Mexicans. Don't save the Puerto Ricans. Don't save the illegal immigrants. Don't save the Democrats or Republicans. Don't save those criminals, those prisoners. Lord, don't save those. You fill in the blank. Is there anyone that you would hate to see come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Be honest with yourself today, Christian. Is there anyone you would hate to see come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Jonah, and he's honest here, he did not want to see The Ninevites come to the Lord. But he had to come to understand what we have to understand. God wants to save all who will come through faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, he will save all who come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we like it or not. You see, Jonah had the right beliefs up here. Many of us have the right beliefs up here. We know God is a God that's gracious and merciful and full of loving kindness and and mercy and all these things. We know that it says what Jesus died for all and all who will come to him, he will redeem and save. We know how wonderful God is. But see, Jonah didn't allow that knowledge up here in his head to penetrate his heart and his behavior. It's possible to have right beliefs, but a wrong behavior. Wearsby put it this way. The basic problem was that Jonah was not completely yielded to God. His mind knew God's truth and his will obeyed God's orders, but he did not do the will of God from the heart. 
He obeyed only because he was afraid of what God might do to him. He was his was not a ministry of love. Now, I mentioned to you, we're not sure how he preached that message of judgment. Uh, but we obviously understand he wanted it to take place. So many of us, we sing the little song, Jesus loves little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We know that God created all people and God loves all people. But some of their honor have a hard time when some of those colors, some of those different races come to Jesus, especially those people we don't like. We say we believe the Bible. We believe, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But some have a hard time when their enemy comes to Christ. May God help us. I'm asking that God, the Holy Spirit would would. Examine your heart today and reveal to you any prejudice, anything in your heart that would keep you from wanting to see everyone come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Is there prejudice in your heart today, Christian? If there is, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to turn from that wickedness, call it what it is, it's sin, and realize that Whoever it is you have in mind, Jesus died for that person or those people. He shed his blood for that person or those people. He was buried for that person or those people. And he rose again victorious for that person or those people. And he desires for them to come to a saving knowledge of him and spend eternity with him. Is there prejudice in your heart today? Now, here's what's interesting. This doesn't just go on in our individual lives. Do you know this goes on in the church's life as well? R.T. Kendall tells an interesting story about a Methodist and a Baptist church in a certain southern town. And these churches were across the street from one another. I know back home there's a there's two churches that are directly across from one another in what we call the avenue in uh, Roanoke Rapids. And and it's interesting as those two churches, I mean, directly across the street from one another. But in this southern town. Uh, There was a Methodist church and there was a Baptist church. And one time it just happened that both of those churches had revival meetings going on at the same time. So they were having revival meetings at the Methodist church. They were having revival meetings at the Baptist church. Well, the revival meetings are over. And after the meetings were over, one Baptist was heard to say these words. And I quote, well, we didn't have much of of a revival, but thank God the Methodist didn't either. End quote. Now, is that our attitude? I mean, do we say, God bless us, bless Red Hill Baptist Church, bless our work, bless our labors. And yet we see God may be blessing somewhere else or some other church, whether it's Baptist or wherever. And God is blessing their work. And we say, you know, I don't really like that. We begin to find fault and excuses and reasons why. And maybe they're compromisers. They don't stand for truth or whatever. You see, this prejudice can come in our lives, not only in our personal lives, but also in our corporate worship, in our church lives. Do we hate to see others being blessed by God? I'm afraid we don't always like to see that. May God help us. We should rejoice for those who rejoice. We should rejoice anytime someone comes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That ought to thrill us, whether it's here or Africa or wherever it is, we ought to rejoice. 
as God blesses and God brings people into a saving knowledge of Christ. Listen, God knows what he is doing. Now, Jonah here in chapter four seems to think that God has made a mistake. And, and he, he didn't do quite what was right. Save these heathen pagans. Yes, Jonah. And what about your situation today, friend? Some may be here today and you're mad at God. Now, you won't verbalize that. You won't publish that. And if point blank asked, you probably wouldn't admit it. But, you know, in your own heart today, you are mad at God. Your life is filled with bitterness. Something has happened in your life. You've gone through something or maybe several things. And you've grown bitter and resentful and angry. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. Do you really believe that God made a mistake? The all-powerful creator of the universe. We talked about that some today in Sunday school. The one who loves you, Christian, with an everlasting love. The one who said, listen, you're lost, you're undone, you're condemned to hell, but I'm going to give my son to die in your place. I'm going to send my spotless, sinless son to take upon himself your sin. I'm going to have wicked, cruel men nail him to an old rugged cross. I'm going to have him suffer and be beaten and marred and shed his blood. I'm going to have him die and put him in a tomb and then have him rise again victorious. And I'm doing that because for God so loved the world, for God so loved you. Do you really believe that that God has made a mistake? Now, some are thinking, yeah, I know all that, preacher. I know that. Yes, you're right. I know that. I believe it. Listen, it's one thing to know it up here. Jonah had correct theology. He knew all about God and how gracious God is. But that correct theology, that correct doctrine had not filtered down into his heart and his life. We had correct behavior and a correct attitude. And it could be you say, I, I know all that preacher. But has it impacted your life? Has it impacted your behavior? Has it impacted your attitude? You say, well, preacher, I don't know. You know, you don't know what I'm going through. If you knew our family situation, if you knew the problems, if you knew the heartache, if you knew the sorrow, if you knew the outlook for the future. Listen, I may not know it, but God knows it. And God is in control. And you need to do what Jonah did. He's angry. He's bitter. He's burning. He's boiling mad at God. But it says in verse two, he prayed to the Lord. Now, in all honesty, it wasn't much of a prayer. <laughs> Why? Because he seems to be blaming God. He's saying to God, God, you're too good. You're just too good. You shouldn't have saved these people. You're, you're, this is why I went to Tarsus in the first place. I didn't want to see him saved. But at least he came and he was honest with God in that prayer. Friend, if you're mad and angry and bitter today, you need to come to God and you need to pour out your heart before him. You need to tell him about the hurt, the bitterness, the pain. You need to pour out your heart before him. You say, well, I'm, I'm mad at him. Come on anyway. He can handle that. We we're going to see how he handled Jonah. You see, God loves you too much to leave you where you are, Christian. 
He loves you too much to leave you in that bitterness and that anger and that resentment. He's going to work in your life and He's working in your life. And he wants to bring you to where you understand just how marvelous a God He is. I want to share with you something that R.T. Ketchum said many years ago. This is worth writing down. It's worth posting somewhere you can see it often. One sentence. I want you to listen to what it says. R.T. Ketchum said, Your heavenly Father is too good to be unkind and too wise to make mistakes. Think about that for a moment. Your heavenly Father is too good to be unkind and too wise to make mistakes. Your heavenly Father, Christian, your heavenly Father is too good to be unkind. And He's too wise to make mistakes. Now, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Not just up here, not just at the head level. Say, well, amen, that's right, preacher. I mean, do you really believe that where it moves from the head to the heart to your life? No matter what comes in your life, no matter what you're facing, you say, listen, my heavenly father is too good to be unkind. He has a purpose. He has a reason. There's something behind this. And you know what? He's too wise to make mistakes. I look at this and I don't understand the situation. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why this has happened to my family. I don't understand why we're going through this. But I trust that my heavenly father has it all in mind and working it out. For his glory and my good. Your heavenly father, Christian, is too good to be unkind and too wise to make mistakes. Wearsby said when we're angry with God, everything in life gets out of perspective. When we're angry with God, everything in life gets out of perspective. He said we say and do selfish things. We say and do selfish things. Things become more important than people and comfort more important than ministry. But he concluded by saying these wonderful words. But God is long suffering and tenderly deals with us to bring us unto himself. Friend, God wants to bring you unto himself today. Will you allow him? Will you allow him? I'm going to ask that everyone bow their head and close their eyes. No one stirring about. No one talking, nobody doing anything, but just sitting there, allowing God, the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Listen to these questions. Do you know the Lord Jesus as your own savior? Has there ever been a time in your life you realized you were a sinner? You're undone. You couldn't save yourself. You're condemned. But then somebody told you about Jesus. God of the flesh. Who died for you. Shed his blood for you and arose for you. Have you ever trusted him, friend? Cried out for his mercy, his grace. Turn to him and away from your sin. If not, I want to invite you today to come and meet my Savior. The Lord Jesus, he wants to be your savior as well. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your background is. What race you are, doesn't matter. None of that matters. Jesus loves you and died for you. And he'll save you if you call out to him. Now, if you already settled that and you're a Christian today. I want you to be honest. 
Is there something you need to bring to him in this service and come to this altar and cry out? Maybe God, the Holy Spirit, has pointed out some prejudice in your heart and your life. You need to come and repent of that and say, God, help me to love all people. Help me to desire to see all people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And it may be some today you're angry at God. You've gone through some situations, some circumstances. And rather than getting better, you've grown bitter. And you're getting angry and mad and you're you're mad at God. I want to invite you today to come and tell God about that. Pour out your heart to him. And realize that your heavenly father is too good to be unkind and too wise to make mistakes. And though we don't understand, we know this, that God works out all things for good. He's working behind the scenes to bring about your good and his glory. Do you believe that today? Is your heart right before the Lord? I want to invite you to come in a moment when we sing and tell God about whatever it is he's talking to you about right now through his spirit. Father, we pause and we pray asking you to work in hearts and lives. I pray if anyone here today does not know Jesus as Savior, I pray this morning they'll come and let someone take a Bible and explain to them how they might be born again. Father, I pray for anyone today who may have a heart that's filled with prejudice. I pray today you would break their hardened hearts and help them to see the world as you see the world, as people in need of a Savior, and go forth with the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Lord, I pray for some today who may be angry and bitter and resentful and just upset with you about things in their lives. I pray your Holy Spirit to show them, using even Jonah's life, just how foolish that is, to see you. As a wise, good, gracious God, wanting our best for your honor and your glory. Bless this invitation, I pray, in the Savior's name. Amen.